and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one, let's go. It's Tim and Friends for Friday, January 14th. Jesse Rubinoff is dancing to my left, or at least what he believes is dancing. Whatever, it's Friday. Did you, uh-huh. did you just pick up a paper cut? I did. I, did. You just, I saw you looking at the finger. I did. And you, ah. It was one of those that like bleeds, ah. it bleeds for like five, five seconds, ah. and then it's fine. But it's in a fine spot, like over here. Ah. Can't really see it, but Be careful. you can't see it. It's fine. Yeah, no, that's the... What fingers is called? Dropping gang signs over there? No, no, I'm not at all. I'm showing you my paper. Gang, gang! (laughs) Rubinoff. I'm okay, though. I'm going to make it, so I'm all right. (laughs) I'll make it through the show. I thought you turned into Peter Griffin before the show when he fell down and hurt his knee. (laughs) Maybe get a band aid or something, Sebi? You (sighs) on it? <laughs> oh, he's got he's got a band-aid. I'm stuck on band-aids. So, what is this? This is gonna help me. me. This is like the connected band-aid. It's huge. Like That's a butterfly bandage, they call that. Okay, they call that right. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. I can't do this. Oh, uh, do you want do you, do you want me to get you some Flintstone vitamins? Oh, maybe Sebby can do it for me. Oh, there we go. No, COVID, he's not allowed to do that. No, okay. Hold on. <laughs> Here it is. The oh, butterfly what we, bandage. What are we doing? Butterfly Come bandage. On, man. Here we go. And did this happen to Sid once? We're good. Sid, did you ever get, like, I know Sid's watching. Sid, did you ever get a paper cut on you? And you were worried about the bandage. Fits like a glove. I feel amazing. Sid, I feel amazing. I said, oh, hey, careful now. What do you mean? Uh, I saw, more importantly than your bandage, Sebi has my notes. Oh, okay. That's important. <laughs> Thank that you, is buddy. way more important God. than my uh Getting ready. Look at Sid. Look at, he's... Camera operating, he's delivering bandages, he's delivering notes. What doesn't Sebastian yeah. Morin do for this Phenomenal. show? Uh, stitches? You gonna stitch me up later? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two cameras, notes. Very the third camera anyway. Uh, Three I a, cameras. I, I made notes. a mess, so you're gonna need to take my garbage away too. This desk is not that big. All right, I'm still Tim McAuliffe. That's still Jesse Rubinoff for now. Our plus ones today include Nate Burleson on Super. Wild card weekend in the National Football League. Six games over three full days. Got it good and since you understood. Will Lou on some pretty juicy Raptors rumors. Mm. OG to Indiana? Gary Trent to L.A.? Get to the bottom of that salacious gossip. It's starting to percolate in NBA circles. And soon to be four-time Olympian. Rebecca Johnson will join the fray as the Canadian Olympic women's hockey team was announced earlier this week. Rebecca looking for her third gold medal to the face of her opponents. Looking forward to all three of those conversations as well as my daily conversation with you, the friend of the show. Also got the best of the week. Sounds like a good show to me. McAuliffe and Ruben off to get you set for not just the Stars and Panthers on Sportsnet immediately following us, but the weekend, Super Wildcard Weekend, it is a jam-packed. Friday edition of the show, and I hope you'll stick around for all of it. It's kind of my livelihood. Mm-hmm. So drop the remote and let Uncle Timmy take care of you. Okay, that sounds kind of creepy. How about let's just start the show. Ruby, first things first. So give me the scoopa, Timmy Biaka Batuka. Wow. You got to be careful with these names. Like, I feel like I got to up the game repeatedly. What if you're just like, if you're not 100% on your game that day and you throw it a name like that. I've like done that, that before already. Spicy. It's okay. We're all we're all human beings 
And the only thing that we know about human beings, Jesse, is that we're all flawed. That's right. Okay, and mistakes are allowed to happen. This is live television. Yes. Okay. Look what happened to me before the show. What happened to the Band-Aid? No, it's on. You just can't oh. see it. Oh, it's look at that. Look at that. You match your band-aid. Very right? impressive. Look at you. Yeah, no you're, makeup you're, on my hand either. You're just white. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. You match let's, your band-aid. <laughs> very good. Uh, let's begin the show um, with Alfonso Davies. Yeah, uh, very important story. news, obviously. He's been diagnosed with a mild myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart, as he recovers from COVID-19. And according to Bayern Munich, Davies will be out, quote, until further notice, and Canada confirmed he won't play in any of the three games in the upcoming qualifying window. Obviously, goes without saying. Our thoughts are with Davies first and foremost, and we wish him nothing but the best in his recovery. From a soccer perspective, Timmy, mm-hmm. how do you feel about Canada's qualification chances with Alfonso Davies being out? All right, you said a speedy recovery were there, but there, there's no doubt that this has the ability to trip up what looked like unstoppable momentum when we last saw Canada beating Mexico at Ice Teca Stadium in Edmonton. Uh, one of the highest of the highs on the men's side in, I don't know, years, decades. And I know there's a generation of Canadian fans thinking they need Fonzie. And his touch of they needed Fonzie and his touch of brilliance to turn the game against Panama at BMO Field in Toronto. Hell, I can feel a generation of Canadian fans thinking, man, why can't we have nice things? To those fans, I say what I've said all along with this World Cup qualifying group. This ain't the same old Canada. One, they played without Davies against El Salvador at home, and they were up 2-0 in the 11th minute. 2-0 in the 11th minute. They were able to win 3-0 against El Salvador. Two, this is the time for Canada. I mean, for the rest of the Canadian squad to prove that it's not just about Davies, but the depth of the program that makes this group and this program different than the past. Listen, when Sid was here, we were telling you that Jonathan David was real. Now the rest of the world is seeing it, and it's confirmed. Jonathan David is real. Kyle Lahren wants to be the next guy. Tejon Buchanan is on the verge of being the next guy. Richie Larea is trying to prove that he's ready for top-flight football. Steven Estacchio, too. I mean, it appears as though this is the time to prove it. It's time to dig in and prove that this program is different, that they can get by without one of the absolute best in the world it's going to be tough especially against the americans and on the road in these two games tough places to play but there's a real opportunity for this team to come together even further without what everyone knows and recognizes as their best player Uh, when you look at the timing of something like this happening obviously there's matches later this month but it's not like this is happening the night before or 48 hours before where they don't have time to sort of prepare for the absence of Alfonso Davies. So do you think this is a, a, they can make the best of a situation that is, obviously Remember, they've sucks. already canceled camp, right? Yeah. They've already canceled their friendly. That would have helped. But I think that this is, listen, um, a lot of people in and around this camp have talked about John Herbin's ability to motivate the troops. And this, this needs to be a master class for Mr. Yeah. Herman, right? Like, he needs to motivate this group unlike any... And say, listen, people are starting to think that this was just luck, that you were just Fonzie's, on Fonzie's back for this. Let's see what you can do. And it'll be... I, I'm, listen, obviously you'd rather have Alfonso Davies mm-hmm. in the lineup 
I mean, he's one of the best in the world. But this is going to be interesting for me to see what the rest of Canada can do. And to be honest with you, without Fonzie, if you got six points out of the three games, I think that's probably yeah. a real good scoreline for this squad, and I think that's possible. I'm just so interested to see from a strategy perspective like what direction they go, because so many times in these matches, it seems like they've played through Alfonso Davies. Like everything has been funneled through Alfonso Davies. You don't have that anymore. But to your point, they do have the depth where that doesn't necessarily have to be that big of an issue. Obviously, you want to play with Alfonso Davies, but they have the time to sort of think of a new strategy where you don't have to funnel everything on that side they of the field. They didn't funnel everything against El Salvador yeah. through Alfonso Davies because he didn't play. Yeah. And they won 3-0. It's been done before. It's been done before. Yeah. So prove it again. Big opportunity for those who are going to get the shot. Obama Yang, too. Yeah. Uh, not, he's out for Gabon. It's just, just a bunch of different stories of this. And hopefully uh, it'll be quick and... He'll be back on the Yeah, get well soon, Alfonso Davies, uh, without question. Uh, five Canadian teams on the ice last night. Controversy deciding overtime between the Habs and Blackhawks. Uh, the Canucks power play struggled in a 4-2 loss to the Lightning in Tampa. Uh, the Jets shut out the Red Wings despite dressing six players six. on emergency recall. Six of them. We got While the Flames, on the COVID list? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. The Flames dropped their four straight in a 4-1 loss to the Sens. They are slumping. Uh, Timmy, are you more impressed with the Jets' win with those six players on emergency recall or more disappointed with the Flames' loss? I thought the Jets' story was really cool. Um, having that many players out, that many players on emergency recall, and then dominating a game in Michigan with your three uh, main Michiganders mm -hmm. dominate. Like, Andrew Kopp, one, I don't know how the hell he scored from that ridiculous angle, but Cop gets two goals, Connor gets the empty netter, and Hellebuck gets the shutout. For me, like, that was kind of storybook. And I love Hellebuck at the end saying, like, this is one of the top five games. Like, absolutely no emotion as per usual from Connor <laughs> Hellebuck as he describes what is maybe a top three game in his career. Uh, but very cool to go into Detroit and have three guys from Michigan be such a big part of the win in Michigan. Uh, but for the, the Calgary Flames, there is some concern here. Listen, they played some good teams, and I was willing to give them some leeway. Daryl Sutter wasn't going to give them the same leeway. Uh, but coming home and getting the Ottawa Senators, it started to get me looking at Jacob Markstrom's numbers over the last little while because, I mean, this Nick Paul goal was really good, but yeah. the first Nick Paul goal wasn't all that good. No. And it was early in this game. And you look at the splits for Markstrom. I mean, he allowed four goals on 34 shots in the game. And you start climbing back a little bit. I think it's 13 goals after his, uh, over his last three games. Uh, his first 20 games, obviously the numbers were really, really good. Uh, last five games, not so good. Now, is this a blip on the radar? Or is this him coming back down to earth, regressing to the mean? Um, I think when they signed Jacob Marshram, they thought they were getting an elite goaltender. And we saw that elite goalder, goaltender for the first 20 games of the year. Uh, is five games just a blip and he'll get back on it? There is no doubt that if you've watched any of Daryl Sutter's teams ever play, you need really good goaltending to win. Yeah. And they haven't gotten that, and they haven't won. 
Whether it was Jacob Markstrom or the team uh, as a whole, Daryl Sutter obviously frustrated by yet another loss. Here's what he had to say after last night. I just think the emotional level of our group has been lacking for a period of time now. And, and uh, you know, I think Lutz tried to, I think he recognized that and tried to grab onto it tonight. And, uh, but there has to be a lot more out of, out of, our, out of the whole group in terms of that. That's always. Like, yeah. we could play all of the Daryl Sutter clips, and that's basically, like, if you were to paraphrase, like, emotion, playing with passion, playing with... Like, they're all the same, are they not? Yes. Uh, like, but, you know what he wants from his team, and one, giving up four goals is not part of it, and two, not playing with passion is... I don't know how much... I mean... I saw Milan Lucic play with some passion. Did you see the fight the with fight, Scott That's one Sabre? of the better fights I've seen in a long time. A long time. I, 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 if I was Scott Sabrin, I don't know if I'd feel the same way. <laughs> the one like he the landed end, a couple early. The one at the end was, was bad. Was, there, there's like hockey, whatever. Think what you will about fighting. But when you have guys the size of Milan Lucic connecting, like he connects at the end here, like it's, it's frightening a little bit. Like, he, this was one of the bigger he, blows. He knew. Did you see his hands today, by the way? Yes. Do you, I did. Can you, can you get the, the, uh, the picture of his hands? Yeah. It, it might take you a while. Oh, you're doing first things first. No, I can get it. Um, Sabrin landed a couple early. Sabrin did the Wendell Clark thing, which is try and land the punches early in the fight because <laughs> you know you're in for a heavyweight tilt. But, man... Did Lucic, I mean, this was... I got the hands. I got the hands. This like is pretty it, much what... The, if, that's what my hands look like right now for the paper cut. <laughs> yeah, similar. <laughs> similar, yeah. Pretty pretty close. If anyone, if anyone thinks... Uh, if anyone thinks that sometimes hockey fighters are pulling their punches just for the fans, have, have a look at that. That is... I don't even know how you, that happens. I can guess we get he, the side by side of Jesse's that? hands and Lucic's <laughs> hands just, just to show what a warrior oh, Jesse is? Yeah. Well, not anymore. I have the Band-Aid on. <laughs> no, no, what do you do to cure those hands? You just stick them in a bucket of ice? I guess it's the only thing that you can Nothing. do. Zero. Um, so aside from the fight that Lucci tried to get the Flames back on track, like, are you at all concerned about sort of their, their inability to score here? Because uh, we, we mentioned Jacob Markstrom. He hasn't been playing uh, as well he, as he played earlier in the year. But they don't have the high-end talent. Goudreau's been amazing. But Mangiapane's numbers have really dried well, up since yeah, the beginning. You didn't expect Mangiapane no. to score, like, 65 goals. And then he was on, pa- yeah. on pace. Uh-huh. One of Jesse's favorite. On pace. Listen, I, I don't think that there's a huge problem in Calgary right now. Other than, like, if Markstrom was playing well and they were losing all these games, mm-hmm. then I would start talking about offense. Then I would start talking about worrying. Right now, to me, it feels like make a couple saves early and this is a different team. When you play the, the type of system that the Calgary Flames play, you need really good goaltending. Um, before we move on to our next story, I just want to get your opinion on the Habs and Blackhawks ending offside. Yeah. Or no offside, or do you not care at all? I, I, I am not that all. I, listen, Habs fans, did you really want to win that game? <laughs> that's, the, that's the huge point here. That's the did, good point. Did you really? Uh, Sebi, you're a Habs fan, unabashed. Yeah. Did you want to win that game? I don't want to win any games. <laughs> <laughs> you want the number one overall pick? Yeah, you want the number one overall pick. 
Listen, like, do, like, do we want to nitpick whether or not he had control? Like, half of the reaction on this was people who didn't know the rule, right? Yeah. Who thought his skates going over the line before the puck going over the line was offside. And then once you realize the rule is control, you could nitpick and slow it down and see if the puck bounced off his... I don't care. I don't care. I, yeah. It's... it's that's not the spirit of the rules to nitpick to the bouncing of the puck off of his stick. I thought he caught the pass, and I, I thought he scored a goal. I think if it was a team that's in contention, this is a much bigger deal. But the fact that Correct. you have fans like Sebi who don't care to win the game, it's not that big of a deal. And I think it was the way it was reviewed for 45 minutes, yeah. basically, and there was the review on whether or not the puck went in. And the net, yeah. And the, yeah, yeah. Like, everything yeah. going into it. I get why people were pissed off. Yeah. But the offside was like, it was like, like razor thin. Totally. Yeah. Um, speaking of controversies, uh, yesterday we showed the NHL's all-star rosters, and uh, <laughs> Nathan McKinnon uh, had some things to say about what we were discussing we, yesterday. We so had the same conversation The, the representation the of, yeah. of every, uh, every team needing a representative at the All-Star Weekend. So here's what uh, Nate McKinnon had to say about it. I don't think every team should send a guy. I think it's a silly rule that we have. It's an All-Star game. It's not a participation game. Um, you know, Nas is, what, what is he, second or third in scoring in the NHL, and he's not on the, and he's got to get voted in still, so... Um, I don't think that's right. It's, exa- it's exactly what we were talking about yeah. yesterday. Yeah. And the fact that you could make, you were saying it yesterday, you could make an all-star team. Like, I would like to put the team of the snubs, not including last man in, because Kadri will probably be last man in, yeah, right? Yeah, you would think. Um, I would like to take a team of the snubs and play them three-on-three against one of the division teams, and I bet you they'd beat a few. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Team Europe. At the World Cup of Hockey. Yeah. Or the North American yeah. team. Get yeah. the forgotten team in there and see what kind of damage they can do. I mean, that would be fun. Like Team Snub. Call them Team Snub. And Call them Team Snub yeah, and exactly. throw them into they the mix. It. Yeah. Um, Panarin, okay. Kadri, like, there's some good players. Yeah. Marshawn, like, come on, man. But, like, we want to see, I don't know. The I best guess, players. I guess the argument is, like, if, if you're a kid watching the All-Star game you, and you're a fan of a team that doesn't have one, like, does that bother you? I, I don't know the answer to that, but that would probably be the argument. But I want to see the best of the best. I think everyone should want to see the best on the best, no? Yeah. Okay. Did you Let's put your mic on wrong? I don't think so. What the hell so. is going on here? What's wrong? It's, it's right there. I don't know what's wrong. Why, are they telling you that no, I put I my can, mic? I can hear it. Oh. It's like cutting in and out. And okay. You're... So I'll just hold it like this for the rest of the block. No, nope, um, still doing it. Let's go to the... I'm not going to move. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not moving. Uh, let's go to the Novak Djokovic story because uh, he's making headlines. No again. big deal. It's fine. He's making headlines again <laughs> today. Um, the latest. The Australian government revoked his visa for a second time and he faces deportation yet again. Djokovic is still scheduled to play on Monday and has a federal court hearing Sunday morning to determine his fate. Timmy, are you surprised this saga is still ongoing? Nope, it's not done. Another appeal. Tell me if and when he's playing on Monday. I'm out. I don't care anymore. Is that okay? Yeah. Can I be out and say, I, I don't care anymore, just tell me whether or not he's playing? Yes. Because that's all. Like, how many times are you going to appeal the same thing? They're appealing the same thing, are they not? I'm with you, and it gives us more time to discuss our next story. All right, awesome. So let's move on. Uh, we mentioned yesterday R.J. Barrett and the impact he's having with the Knicks. More Canadians making an impact in the NBA last night. Oklahoma City's Shea Gilgis-Alexander scored 33 points, adding 10 boards and 9 assists, while fellow Canadian Lou Dort poured in 27. The Thunder beat up on the Nets. Uh, no KD and no Kyrie 
Um, yeah, that helped. But uh, in Milwaukee, Halifax-born Lindell Wigginton made his NBA debut, becoming the first Canadian CEBL player to play in an NBA game. Timmy, how proud are you of the Canadian talent? Yeah, there's no doubt the Canadians are making a, a different impact on the NBA. It's kind of similar to the, uh, the Fonzie story in Canadian soccer, where you realize that there are a lot more talented players in and around the game that can make an impact. And... <laughs> What I don't know what's going about? on. Like, what are you giggling about? <laughs> All I can hear is your microphone. No, no, no. In my that ear. is that is fake news because I was we have a mute button and I was pressing the mute button. Well, then the whole someone time. has a key open in my ear <laughs> because all I can hear is you. I am around. absolving myself of responsibility <laughs> okay. on that one. How could that possibly be my fault? I was it holding could be the a mute key. button. It could be a key. Oh, I'm so sensitive. Why, right yeah. Now. Why are you so rattled by this? Because it's I don't want to be. The, I don't be. I don't want to be responsible yeah, for what? throwing you off your game. What do you mean? You had a paper cut to start the show, and now this microphone situation, and you could just pull the microphone down <laughs> through your shirt. Like no one cares. I don't think it's the microphone, but I'm gonna. T- I'm just gonna hold it up. Hold on. Whoops. Yeah, no one's. Ca- no one's worried. No one's. It's fine. Done. There you go. You look like a podcaster. <laughs> no big deal. I gotta hold. Have, I get, have you seen? What are you doing, Sebby? Look at this. Oh, it's a new mic. <laughs> okay, now he's delivering a new mic. He's fine. I don't know. This is, this is the, Have what? you seen the Pittsburgh Penguins you hear that? social media crew? What, this is what they did? They just yeah, hold the they, mic? They have a tiny mic. Yeah. And That's, they hold it up the like thing, that. Like, this is what podcasters, this is what YouTubers do. They just the hold do. up the live mic. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm down for By it. By the this way. Is, this is the issue with the casual clothing. Sometimes you wear a shirt. like a. This is like a long sleeve white shirt. And sometimes it just folds underneath the mic. All of that noise has gone away since you slid that down through your shirt. Am I wrong, producer Thomas Dobby, Matt Taylor? So if you're absolving yourself from all sort of impact on this show and it stopped since you slid that down, do you think perhaps Uncle Timmy and his 25 years of experience in this business may have been right? Well, then my mute button stopped working. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. It's all my fault. Any way to absolve. Listen, like I said off the top, Jesse, the only thing we know as human beings is that we're all flawed. I'm going to put it on my lapel. Things happen. It's okay. We are flawed. Uh, But we're going to move on. I'm flawed. Still to come. Very flawed. Team Canada's Rebecca Johnston as she prepares for her fourth Olympic Games. Nate Burleson from Dallas (laughs) ahead of Super Wildcard Weekend in the NFL. And up next... We keep the basketball talk going. As Will Liu joins us ahead of the Raptors and Pistons, it's Tim and Friends. It's Friday then. I'm drinking tea. <laughs> got my paper cut, got my bite. Not a big deal. It's just live TV. His name is Fred Van Vliet. Go ahead, put it on your ballot. He has been sensational. He's an all-star. Folks, there's, there's no question about it. I can't, I can't take it, man. I can't. Stop. <laughs> Welcome back, friends. Raptors try and start a new winning streak as they head down the road for the next or on the road for the next five games, starting down the road with the Detroit Pistons tonight. Pistons a woeful 9-31 this season, 
but what the hell? They're seven and three against the Raptors since Dwayne Casey took over. Inside knowledge, Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr. both questionable for the Raptors. Nick Nurse expected to update their status any minute now, but I can update the status of Will Lou. And he is indeed suave, sophisticated, and joining me from the home studio. What's up, Will? How you doing, man? What's going on? Thank you for having me once again on your lovely program. Anytime. And, uh, yeah. Open invite. Why, why the hell does Dwayne Casey's uh, team always play the Raptors really tough when the rest of the time they suck? Yeah, it's one of the great <laughs> mysteries of life. Um, I think one of the players for the Pistons, Isaiah Stewart, the guy who uh, almost went after LeBron, um, yes. he explained after the, the Raptors lost to the Pistons uh, earlier this season that this game means a lot to Dwayne Casey, which I feel like is an understatement. Like, I feel like Dwayne, like, just lives for these games in particular. We all know that the Pistons have been tanking. They just got the first overall pick, got Kate Cunningham. But, uh, yeah, they love this specific game. I think Dwayne Casey really connects with his players. And, you know, beyond that, I think the Pistons always have had some some pretty decent size in the middle, and that's where the Raptors have struggled. When you look at what Isaiah Stewart did to the Raptors last time, I think he had, like, nine layups in the game. And even going back to last season, I think Mason Plumlee had a triple-double against the Raptors. So, yeah, I think it also speaks to the fact that the Raptors probably need to beef up the, the center position a little bit. Yeah, probably. One of the great mysteries in life, the pyramids and why Dwayne Casey. <laughs> <laughs> beats the Toronto Raptors repeatedly. I mean, I think the winning percentage is like 340 for the Pistons, and yet they're 7-3 against the Raptors since he took over. Uh, so some good stories, obviously, around the Raptors of late. Freddie All-Star, uh, the Siakam surge. I believe we might have a Boucher bounce here. Which one of these has captured your interest the most? To be honest, it's uh, it, it's got to be the Pascal thing, because I think um, for him, this is such a big season for him, right? Coming off of the shoulder surgery, what was he going to look like? Obviously, he had a down year in Tampa. Pretty much everybody had a down year in Tampa, but I think his reputation took the biggest hit between the fact that, you know, he missed a couple of game winners. And uh, it just didn't feel like, you know, um, he was the same guy from when he was an all-NBA level player. And this season, especially in the last month or so, we're seeing him get back to that level. And realistically, I mean, it's nice that Boucher is doing what he's doing. Um, obviously, Fred is taking his game to another level, but Pascal is the maximum player on the team he's the guy who's going to drive the most success for this franchise uh in addition to fred and to see pascal get to this level is great he's just flirting with a triple double pretty much every night and um you know i think if honestly if he was healthy all year and he was putting up the numbers that he's averaging on the last month he might be in consideration for all-star as well to, to go along with fred it does it change your uh perception of where this team can be if pascal is able to maintain this level like has his play over the last little while, has this little surge changed what you think this team can be? I mean, yes and no. I think it's really helped the Raptors hit close to like their ceiling of what this team can be. I think if uh, Fred can be essentially a pseudo number one option for you, which of late he's been shooting so well, he has been that guy. If Pascal can kind of sort of slide in as that 1B and then OG is a pretty reliable like third option. You know, even in the, the Suns game, he had 25 points, despite not even shooting the three all that well. Yeah. Um, I think that's the vision of this team to go along with the fact that everyone else needs to sort of play defense and even just hit some open shots around them. We know Scotty can contribute sometimes as a third option. We know that Gary can step up sometimes as the third option. But those are your three main guys. Those are your three key vets. And um, 
I think, yeah, the, the the ceiling of this specific team as they continue to grow is is probably somewhere in the lower half of the, the playoff race uh, in the Eastern Conference where they're looking to sniff around about maybe six, maybe get up to five even in the playoff seating in the Eastern Conference. And, um, yeah, with Pascal playing on this level, with Fred playing on this level, OGs staying healthy, um, this team can get there. And that, I think that would be a really big success for the Raptors considering how bad they were last year in Tampa. Uh, all right, the latest is we're waiting on Nick Nurse to update us on uh, Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent Jr. for tonight. Uh, Barnes practiced, Trent didn't. Uh, take of that what you will. But Dwayne Casey is speaking to the media right now, and he was talking about Freddie Van Vliet, and he's basically saying that he took over from Kyle Lowry, and as the Raptors will end up on this road trip in Miami on Monday against Kyle Lowry, it's it's amazing to think, like, I mean, you could argue Freddie Van Vliet is wins above replacement over what Kyle Lowry was doing at least last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is pretty clear. I think, like, Fred's better than Kyle even right now when you compare what Kyle's done for Miami. Now, they're playing in different roles entirely. Kyle's more of a distributor. Fred's more of a scorer, as you see him knock down one of his many deep threes on the season. But, um, yeah, Fred is taking his game up to another level. I think the three-point shooting, quite honestly, Kyle was really good at the three-point shooting. Fred might be better at three-point shooting than Kyle ever was. When you consider the, 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 the reliability on the catch and shoots, the extended range that he has as well. And I think the most important thing is with Kyle, at least he had backup point guards that you could sort of turn to, whether it was Corey Joseph, Lou Williams was a six man here. Um, You know, you look at Fred obviously being his backup for quite a while. Like Kyle had some help at that position, whereas Fred really doesn't have that this year. So the Raptors have had to rely so heavily on Fred. He leads the league in minutes played. Um, and he's just been that good to a point where, you know, the Raptors, obviously we all know that Kyle Lowry is the greatest Raptor of all time for all that he's done here. He's going to have a statue. I mean, to, for Fred to already be in that conversation, to be like equal to some of his best seasons yeah. is unbelievable. We're very blessed. Okay, so which Raptors rumor would you like to address first? Uh, Evan Massey talking about OG Ananobi going to Indiana in a Miles Turner deal or the hoops hype the Lakers are reportedly interested in Gary Trent Jr.? I mean, I, I don't even think there's much with the Lakers one. I mean, to be fair, like, yeah, the Lakers are interested in a good player who is young and could fit a good role for them. I mean, I don't think the Raptors are in any position to give up shooting. We saw in the Suns game, what did they shoot? Eight of 37 without Gary Trent in the lineup. They need some three-point shooting. Only two players in that Suns game hit threes. Um, so don't give up on him. And then in the OG thing, I think, look, you can have these discussions, but I think ultimately speaking, one, one for one, that is a bad swap for the Raptors. I think the OG is taking a step forward this season. He's averaging close to 20 points per game. You know, he's sort of taking on a bigger role offensively and, you know, as much as Miles Turner would fit this team as a 3 and D type of center, he's not the kind of game-changing piece that I would trade OG for. I think, look, Masai is the kind of guy who, if you're going to trade a franchise piece like OG Ananobi, um, you're going to look for someone a lot better than Miles Turner. You're going to try to package OG up for an established star. And what you're essentially doing, if you do flip one-on-one for OG for Miles Turner, is just sort of flipping... Uh, positions, which is fine, but like, can you envision Miles Turner getting you a, a star player in the future? I don't think so. But this so, is. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, no, I'm interrupting like a jerk. Keep going. No, I mean, with, with Miles Turner, too, I mean, he's shooting 33% on the season for three. You know, like, his rebounding has never been that strong. He has the excuse, well, he plays with the Montes Bonus. That's fine, but I, I just, there's something that's just not fully, like, uh, satisfactory about his game. I don't think you can rely on him consistently night to night for offense the way you can for OG. So, 
I would I would not do that deal, and yeah. I don't think the Raptors would either. I, I don't think they have to because I feel like there's a bunch of quality big men, and if a big man that are available right now, and that if a big man is what you want, like if if Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster really like what they have in this core three, I believe they will add a big man at this deadline, and I think they can do it pretty cheap, like. There's, there's enough big men rumored to be out there in the news that you could add a quality big man right now and maybe give this team a real chance at competing because once you face the, you know, the good offensive rebounding teams in the league or, God forbid, a legit big man that can back down someone, the Raptors are in trouble. Like I, I think that if they really think that this year or next two years is a window where they can compete at a level where, you know, Masai wants to be, you're going to see a big man picked up at this deadline. You know what? That's fair, and I totally agree with you. I mean, if the Raptors intend to win multiple series in the playoffs, let alone just make the playoffs, I think their current goal is to make the playoffs, um, then I think, yeah, you would need to look for more upgrades in the front court. For me right now, though, I I think the Raptors need help in terms of backups, in terms of uh, the guard position, because they've already just said, we're not playing our backup point guards. Malachi Flynn, not playing. Delano Banton, you're playing for the 905. Um, You know, and then when you look at who the backup shooting guard is, it's Speed Mihailik, who, you know, the last game he came in and tried a Vince Carter-style put-back dunk. That's not your role. Your role is to hit some threes, and he hasn't hit more than two threes once this whole season. And that's his one job is to hit threes. So the Raptors need some uh, scoring off the bench, especially because, look, with Gary out, for example, the last two games, who's come in to replace him? Who can give you that, like, 16 to 20 points per game that Gary gives you, the defense, the threes? No one even comes close to replicating that. So I think the Raptors need to address that because that's not even a short-term concern. That's a long-term concern, too. There's no guards in the pipeline that's going to come in and sort of fill those roles down the line. So, um, you know, if they want to address something, I think they should look at their backcourt. They really only have two really good guards between Fred and Gary, but past that, they have nobody. Okay, so Delano started well, and I think most people understood that he was a project that the Raptors were going to try and work on and develop into um, this kind of abnormally big guard. What's happened to Malachi Flynn? That's uh, another great mystery of life. That's the third one. <laughs> the pyramids, Dwayne Pyram- Casey. <laughs> yes. and, uh, and and Malachi, look, I think he was really polished coming out of college. He was really one of the best guards in college that season where he was drafted. He comes out, and, you know, at first it didn't really feel like he found his role with the Raptors. You know, it was kind of a lost development year. The G League really wasn't up and running. They only played like seven games in a random bubble in Orlando, and then he got cut short. And so there just wasn't a lot of development time for him, and it just feels like he hasn't found the role. I think every single time that Nick talks about Malachi, he wants to see him do something different than what he, you know, currently looks for, which is he comes into the game and he kind of looks for a shot, which is – you know, fine, I guess a lot of guards play that way, but he hasn't been able to knock down shots consistently. And I think that more than anything else is where the Raptors need um, him to start to find some consistency. And I feel bad for him. There's a game earlier this season. I remember I was staying, you know, at the arena that everyone had filed out and I was doing uh, the, the reaction show that I do after every game. And Malachi Flynn, about 40 minutes after the game, just by himself, came out with a trainer and just shot threes uh, in an empty gym. And uh, I felt really bad for him in that moment. I feel like he's a, he's kind of desperate for an opportunity here to sort of uh, latch on. And the good thing is he has a third-year uh, player option picked up, so he's going to be here next year uh, unless the Raptors move him. But, um, yeah, he has not found a role whatsoever. And I think the Raptors moving to sort of playing this style where they've gotten bigger. They've gotten Scotty who can play some point. We know Pascal can play some point. 
it really limits the fact that the Raptors don't necessarily need to play another small guard uh, in, in their rotation. So some of it is Malachi's own doing. He needs to sort of improve his skill work. The other part is just the Raptors are kind of moving in a direction away from his style of player, unfortunately. Uh, by the way, that uh, reaction podcast, you can subscribe to it. The Raptors show will Lou Alex Wong. Uh, please subscribe, like, do all the things that you're supposed to do with all those things. Uh, great mysteries of life. Uh, I can only give you one of the answers. Will Lou, uh, who built the pyramids or which UFO built the pyramids? Uh, Dwayne Casey, Malachi Flynn, where's Jimmy Hoffa or who killed JFK? Which one you want? Uh, yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's go with the Jimmy Hoffa one. All right, Jimmy Hoffa is at the Meadowlands right now, or at least what used to be the Meadowlands, underneath the Nets' old arena. All right, thank you, Will. Appreciate you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. There is Will Liu uh, solving the mysteries of life with Uncle Timmy. Uh, Time for another break. When we come back. By the way, we'll get the... uh, Yeah, we'll we'll get the... That's a really good name for a podcast. Solving the mysteries of life? With Tim McAllen. (laughs) Uh, Best of the week and maybe an update. We still haven't gotten it on Scotty Barnes. And Gary Trent Jr. Next! Welcome back to Tim and Friends. We do have that update that we promised you, Jesse Rubinoff. So before we get to the best of the week, uh, Gary Trent out of the lineup for the Raptors against the Pistons tonight. And it looks like your boy, future Hall of Famer Scotty Barnes, game time decision for the Toronto Raptors. So those are the updates. Gary Trent Jr. out of the lineup. Barnes game time decision ankle and knee respectively thank you Michael Grange mm-hmm. on the old Twitter machine I'm good with the game time decision it means it's not far off that's how I approach that one because remember there was uh, we didn't know a couple days ago yeah. how bad it was is is he still odds on favorite for rookie of the year or is that gap I think it's closing? Mobley now I yeah. think it's Evan Mobley of the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, and Cade Cunningham in Detroit you're going to get a look at when the Raps play the Pistons uh, Kate, Kate, I don't know if he's there for me. It just seems in and out inconsistency, although I know he's come along yeah. since the start when he was really struggling. Was that a big disadvantage? Didn't play the first, I don't know, like 10, 15 games And of then the just didn't shoot. Yeah, yeah. Like, literally did not shoot it. All right, time now for the best of the week, where we scour the internet to find the best videos and ask you to choose your favorite. We'll show you the options. You head over to Twitter, at Tim and Friends, vote for your favorite. Nominee number one. Comes to us from two people we know pretty well on this damn show. Uh, now, on Tuesday, before Sid Sixero, and by the way, we wish Sid the absolute best right now. He's been hit with what everyone else is being hit with right now. And, Sydney, if you're watching, get better soon, my dude. Uh, so, Sixero and Donovan Bennett, they're about to go live on air for an interview for Breakfast Television. And my former co-host and partner thought he was being courteous asking DJ if he could bring up some some big news before they went live on air. Little did he realize it was a little off. Hello, Donovan. Can you hear me? I got you. Yeah, how are you? I'm good. Can I mention on air the thing that you announced last week or no? What did I announce last week? I mean, whatever it is, I'm sure you can, but I I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) See, now I'm not confident (laughs) even bringing it up. What Texas? What did I, 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 we're, listen, we're family. What? What did I know? <laughs> are you? Hold on. Are you and Kate not expecting a child? Yes. <laughs> announced it last week, dude. I might have this <laughs> child any minute now. That was announced like three months ago. What are you talking about? 
Well, yeah, sure. I'm not on Instagram, dude. I don't know these things. I, I didn't know. I was watching Tim and Friends Annou last week, and I'm like, announce, announce last week. You, you think we? What do you, you think we sent out a press release? You think we're the Royals? Sid, my wife is 38 <laughs> weeks pregnant. There is no announcement. Oh my God. The, the real star of breakfast television in Toronto is Laughing Guy. Yeah, who is laughing? Do we know who that is? Uh, I think it's a stage manager. It's, it's an incredible laugh. Oh, Laughing Guy yeah. is better than my co-host. I, I don't know if he's better than Dina Pugliese, but he's better than Sid. Like, even if it wasn't <laughs> funny and you have someone laughing like that, you're going to be laughing at that laugh. Like, that's how good the laugh is. Yeah, my laughing Guy, the real star. Yeah. Uh, listen, kids. Important always to do your homework before you go on national <laughs> TV. And that's all Sid was doing. He was doing his homework, making sure that he was good. Are, are you and Kate not expecting? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Okay, get better, Sydney. No better, buddy. Uh, moving on, nominee number two. On Wednesday night, this Louisville fan had a chance to sink a full court putt. Now, what was on the line was a bottle of Poppy Van Winkle 23-year-age Kentucky bourbon. Now, okay, admittedly, it retails for 300 American, but they only make a limited amount. So these things resell for, like, $1,000 range. Uh, my guy likes his bourbon. Check this out. All right, Kevin has a shot to win the bottle. Was that just me or kind of sort of Pete Weber-esque? Very much so. I mean, yeah. there, there was no who do you think you are, I am. But the celebration was real awkward, <laughs> no soul kind of guy, right? Yeah. I don't know about that soul, putting I mean, stance. just like rhythm. I don't know about that putting stance. That seems like a 20, 25 hey, handicap I, maybe. It, it doesn't. I'll say this about putting till I die. Doesn't matter how. That's right. Doesn't matter. That's right. Look at this. I'm throwing stones. I Double guns. <laughs> and so then good. everyone in the building, a little flex. So is he more excited to drink the bourbon or is he going to resell it? I, I don't think it had anything to do with the bourbon. I think that this is, listen, when I hit the over-the-shoulder shot in studio, it was more about my reputation that I was jacked about. This guy just was happy that he did something in front of an audience. It had, I mean, it looked like he wanted the bourbon but <laughs> it didn't look like you wanted the bourbon it was over celebratory for a thousand dollars yeah pride and a job pride. well done yeah he completed the task at hand good job uh, i do need to try this bourbon to see if it's worth a thousand bucks yeah. though. all right uh, nominee number three tuesday night scotia bank arena sons and raptors seven you in on the bourbon all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can see real quick yes on that one. Suns and Raptors going head-to-head. -head. Six seconds to go. Devin Booker shooting free throws. Got distracted by Toronto's greatest mascot of all time. He went so far to have the rumor, the Raptor removed from his field of view. It was scandalous. 
throws to the line 87.8% and the first one is good. Okay now if you're Monty Williams here. By the way Booker's complaining about the Raptor the lone fan that's there. <laughs> they send the Raptor away. Look at the right side of your screen. This is on the free throw from Book, his first free throw attempt. And you see the Raptors mascot. <laughs> you know, when there's nobody else in the building, you kind of stand out. And Booker's not happy right here at the free throw line. This is ridiculous right here. He's tripping on the mascot? <laughs> Come on, D. Book, you better than this, man. He's trying to get the mascot kicked out. We had issues with the blow up, blow up doll. Uh, no, I wouldn't have blow up when it was the other one live. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We got shot. 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 We his own profile pick. Newer profile pick with him behind the basket. Looks like they've squashed the beef, though I still believe win to the Raptor. Head over to our Twitter account, at Tim and Friends, to make your pick. And if you missed any of the nominees, you can find them right there on our Twitter account as well. We will reveal the best of the week winner at the end of the show. All right, time for another break. We're coming up as this Friday edition of Tim and Friends rolls on. Nate Burleson joins us ahead of Super Wildcard Weekend in the NFL. Six games to tee up, including the Niners and Cowboys that Nate will be calling on Nickelodeon. Playoffs? That's right, playoffs. Next! From Tim and Friends. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. That's still Banks. Thank you very much. Sheepdogs back here for hour number two. Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Full hour everywhere as we wrap up our week and hopefully your week. Still to come, Rebecca Johnston of the Canadian women's national hockey team preparing for her fourth Olympic Games. Plus Nate Burleson in moments to tee up Super Wild Card Weekend in the National Football League. But first, let's get to your... News of the day, here's what's happening at this hour. The Canadian men's Olympic hockey team have named Shane Doan as their GM, Claude Julien head coach, to lead the team. Now, Canada will open a pre-tournament camp in Switzerland this week, but won't name a final roster for the Olympics until January 24th. So they want to get a look at who they got before they decide on who will play. The Leafs realize they got a couple more back as Mitch Marner and Pierre Engvall are both back off of the COVID list and in practice today. Uh, they also added uh, Justin Hall, Andre Kashik, and Nick Ritchie, though, to their COVID list as COVID continues to hit the NHL. Leafs continue their road trip in St. Louis tomorrow facing the Blues on Hockey Night in Canada. Speaking of COVID, Alfonso Davies, after having COVID himself, has been diagnosed with a mild myocarditis, which is an inflammation of the heart as he recovers from the COVID-19. According to Bayern Munich, David Davies will be out until further notice. Canada confirmed that he won't play in any of the three games in their upcoming qualifying window. Of course, our thoughts are with Davies first and foremost on a speedy recovery. Wish him nothing but the best 
and back on the field as soon as possible. Now, Super Wild Card Weekend on tap in the NFL gets going Saturday with the Bengals hosting the Raiders. That's the first game of the weekend, followed by the Patriots and Bills. Saturday night in Buffalo. Sunday starts with the defending champ. Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Eagles. Then it's the Niners and Cowboys cap with the Steelers and Chiefs. And then you got a Monday nighter. That's right, a playoff Monday nighter. NFC West showdown between the Cards and the Rams. Uh, this is one of my favorite segments of the week. I'm not lying. I look forward to Fridays in part because I honestly love talking football with Nate Burleson. NFL on CBS, CBS This Morning, NFL Network. Nate Dog, welcome back, my dude. What's up, baby? Before we get to football, yes. though, um, I'm going to have to ask you to just do me a favor. Uh-huh. Um, can you stop posting the throwback? photos of you with the hair because <laughs> I had this crush and I was overwhelmed. I didn't know what to do. I had to go home and talk to my wife. I said, listen, I think I, I think I'm falling in love with, with, with this guy. So, listen, you are a handsome man. I'm not no, now. Yeah. Hair was dreamy, fam. I, uh, I peaked at 17, Nate. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. I peaked at 17. But uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll stay away from my throwback Thursdays. I'll just go back a couple of years when I was as ugly as I am now. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, listen, wild card weekend was always a great yeah. week. Super wild card weekend. Six games over three days of action. I may have to call my doctor after four hours or at least Bart Scott, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, Nate, uh, if you could only, if I, if I said you can only watch one of these games this weekend, which one is it and why? You know, I, I kind of feel Bart Scott because it really gets the blood going, if you will. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, you know, I, I, I feel like all of these games have an element that gets you excited. And there's a certain nostalgia, like a throwback feel to these games. I mean, you look at the 49ers Cowboys. I mean, come on, I'm doing the Nickelodeon broadcast. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second. I mean, even the Steelers and the Chiefs. But I don't know, there's something about that Patriots-Bills game. And, and it's because the Bills have been so good, but there has been moments this year where they've struggled to find consistency. And then you look at the Patriots, who towards the end of the year were as hot as anybody. I mean, the weather's going to be a factor. Um, game plan will be a factor. You know, I made this really bold prediction, which people are lighting me up online for. I said that it's possible. It is possible that Mac Jones will have a better day throwing the ball than Josh Allen. Hmm. Now, I think if I say that statement out loud, people will say, Nate, you're out of your mind. But if you even look at Josh Allen in some of these cold games, um, he'll tell you himself, he he doesn't feel like he does when he's playing in warm weather. You know, he he said he has bad circulation. I know we were joking about what Bart Scott said um, with the enhancements, if you will. But let's just say – Instead of the Patriots coming out and saying, we're going to run the rock like we did and we dominated it on the ground and beat the Bills, what if the Patriots say we want to have a completely different game plan? We know this coaching staff is one of the best in the business at switching it up before you can even figure out what they're doing. Like we say all the time, this is a game of chess, not checkers. So this game for me is exciting, and, and it's going to have that feel. It's going, to, it's going to be cold at times while you're watching it that you're going to feel like you're shivering at home. I had this long-running theory, especially in, uh, in college football, that the uh-huh. SEC or Southern schools has a, have a distinct advantage in the playoffs because they'll never have to win that cold-weather slop or snow-filled a- game like Michigan or Ohio State, Wisconsin, even Oregon. So a- like, you have to have the horses and the Clydesdales to win up north, as we well know here in Canada. Uh, but in a playoff, it's always 
a stadium or a city that favors the track meet. And I go all this way to say, do those struggles of Josh Allen in those, I mean, I guess we have five games below freezing, like make you feel like maybe the Bills drafted the wrong quarterback for their city? I, w- I wouldn't say that um, okay. because he's the so dominant good. quarterback. Yeah. He, he's, he, he, he has, he's had moments where he's proven to be, you know, one of the best QBs in the business. We're talking about top five, you know, in, in people's eyes. But, you know, and I'll take a little bit of a left turn in this because I see exactly where you're going because this is something that you have to deal with. As a player, I will tell you, you know, people say, oh, Josh Allen says his toes get, told, his toes get cold and, you know, he has to deal with certain things on the field. He's a football player. He should be tough enough to do it. Man, when I played them cold games, I'm talking about negative six in Denver playing against the Broncos, um, you know, going to Green Bay in January. I mean, games where the fans – were chattering, my little digits, skinny, 190-pound Nate Burleson would go numb. It always started on my pinky, and it worked its way down to my thumb. Then my toes would be out of there. I go to the sideline, try to heat up. Then as soon as you step back on the field, it's like that cold grabs your bones. So for people at home, this is real. I remember playing one game. We're winning. We're in Green Bay. It's cold out there. And Matt Stafford's looking at me saying, hey, Nate, we got the Dodger on the inside. They're playing outside leverage. I'm probably going to hit you coming on the inside. And we're talking in the huddle, and he gave me that look like I'm coming to you. I look back at him like, don't you throw this ball to me, bro. Game's <laughs> over. I will bat it. I will get a PBU on the stat board. I will get a pass breakup. Don't throw it to me. And he's like, Nate, seriously? I said, I'm good. I don't need the numbers. I don't care. Don't throw the ball to me because I was so cold. When that ball came to me, it felt like a brick. Now, imagine a quarterback in Josh Allen who has to handle the rock. He has to handle that brick every single play. Oh, and not to mention, he's a very physical, athletic quarterback. So he's going to take shots, get his fingers bent up, get his toes stepped on. It's a big deal. Now, with all that said, let me say two things. One, if you're considering building a new stadium in Buffalo, Come on, let's get a retractable roof. I know I'm going a little left field and we're not talking about that right now, but I heard they're going to build this beautiful stadium and put all this money in the city approved. And they're going to keep it roofless? Nah, I'm not feeling that. Just have the option, just in case it's a little too chilly. (laughs) And second thing, if all of these things are the case when it comes to Josh Allen being cold in these cold games, if you're the Patriots, you're not doing anything dirty. You're not doing anything below the belt. But you're going to bang. You're going to hit them. You're going to play through the whistle. You're going to pile on. You're going to do all the things within the rules, within those white lines, to make him feel you every single quarter. So that very athletic, strong, powerful quarterback in the fourth quarter isn't the same guy. Isn't snow part of the lure in Buffalo, though, Nate? Like, is it, I know Detroit's got the dome. I know Minnesota's got – but every once in a while you want to watch a snow game, don't you? Don't you want to see a snow angel on a celebration in the end zone every once in a while? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And- <laughs> have the option of the retractable roof. <laughs> Listen, you're in Toronto, you in T Dot. Yeah. You wake up with the snow and the slush, everything on the ground, all that snow pushed to the side, looking all yucky, and you're like, ooh, let it snow, let it snow. <laughs> yeah, you're fr- like, you know, I, I need some sunshine. Homie, I love the first snowfall of the year, and then after that, it's like, get this <laughs> ish out of here. All right, so who who's the who's under more pressure, or maybe the most pressure, to perform this weekend? You mentioned uh, your guy Matt Stafford. That was the biggest yeah. move of the offseason. Jimmy G in San Fran feels like the pressure's been on him for a while. Um, Dak Prescott, is it Josh Allen? Who do you think's under the most pressure? And I'm naming all these quarterbacks, but 
I would say it has to, it has to be Matt Stafford. Um, just for the simple fact that this is the best team he's ever played with, the complete team, um, the best offensive mind he's ever been coached by um, as a head coach um, and an offensive coordinator, you know, with Sean McVay splitting those duties. Um, and then this, there's going to be this narrative, if he doesn't get the job done, um, you know, let's just keep it real, man. This is what we do. And this is my guy. I love Matt Stafford. People will start saying, we'll see. It's not necessarily Matt being in Detroit. It's just Matt not being a, a big-time quarterback in big-time games in those big-time moments. So I feel like the pressure is on him. I mean, there's a, there's these games where you're looking at, let's just say, the Raiders and the Bengals, right? Um, the Raiders are somewhat playing with house money. They dealt with a lot this year. I don't think there's any other squad that has dealt with what they dealt with. The coaching changes, Coach Gruden getting fired and for what he was fired for, and then the unfortunate, tragic incident yeah. with Henry Ruggs and then still found themselves in the playoffs. So it's kind of like they're playing like free, and maybe they're playing like it's meant to be. On the flip side, you have the Bengals. Now, I would like to say Joe Burrow is feeling pressure, and you know he, he needs to show up and show out, but I don't know. I'm still kind of in this phase where I'm just happy to see a good Bengals team. It's almost like I'm willing to give them a pass if it doesn't work out. Like they were so impressive. So good. Where I'm like, you know what? It's fine. You guys are good. You haven't been here in a while. You've already overachieved. Good for you. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like, <laughs> got your stand. If you're leaving, we'll let you back in. We recognize your face now. You know, so, um, that, that's kind of how I feel. But if I had to pick one QB. I would go with my former QB, Matt Stafford, and I believe he's going to show up and ball out. When I, uh, when I retired from my college football play-by-play -play days, I had a line that I used to use that gave me a football with special players make special plays on special days. That's, That's what we fact. need to see from Matt Stafford this weekend. All right, so the biggest lines of the week, Chiefs minus 12.5, Bucks minus 8.5, and the Bengals, as you mentioned, minus 5.5. Do any of the Steelers, Eagles, or Raiders have a chance here? I don't believe the Eagles do. Um, you just talked about, you know, special players making special plays. Tom Brady is that guy. He's yeah. special. And everybody else raises their um, level of play. He has the Michael Jordan effect. So uh, I feel like the Buccaneers are going to do what they need to do to move on to the next round. Um, you know, Bengals, I, I just feel like they have control of this. As, mu as much as the Raiders will be motivated, it's the Bengals game to lose, which leads me to the Chiefs game. And I know you're sitting back saying, Nate, come on, you're, you're drawing this out. Don't come with some dramatic take about how the Steelers are going to beat the Chiefs. No, but if I had to pick it up, said I will pick this one. I mean, for a couple of reasons. If you're playing for a quarterback, and Big Ben, thank you for putting that image up in that video. That's why this is one of the best shows in the world, because you guys are always on top of it. And you're looking at Big Ben, some of that magic, bam, bam, bam. And, and you're receiver, your offensive lineman, your Joe Hayden on the defensive side, your TJ Watt, you're all of these guys that see a quarterback that you know is walking away. There is no mystery anymore. You want to help him ride off into the sunset the right way. I mean, that's a that's a type of motivation that's different. This isn't, oh, I hope I get a new deal or I want to go to the Pro Bowl or this Lombardi Trophy is for me. Nah, you, you literally going out there winning it for Big Ben. There hasn't been this admittance of a team saying we are willing to carry our QB because our QB can't carry us. What do I mean by that? You know, even this year, we've kind of like, we, did, we didn't embrace the fact that Big Ben isn't the old Big Ben. He's just an older Big Ben. I think over the last month or so, we've all thought to ourselves, okay, this team's going to do anything. The team's going to have to carry Big Ben at times. And they have. 
So now there's this realization that it isn't going to be Big Ben doing something magical with guys draped all over him, him throwing the ball down the field 60 yards. No, this is going to be a complete game. So it's going to have to be Mike Tomlin's best coach game. This is going to have to be a, a special team's uh, contribution of a game and offensive defense. So if weather played a factor, if it was much colder and it was rain and some wind in Kansas City, I would say that would really help the Steelers. But I was just looking at the weather. I don't think it's going to be that bad. Uh, but I do still feel like the Steelers have a chance, much more than people think. Uh, producer Thomas Dobby, director Maddie Taylor, smiling ear to ear as we speak. Great uh, job. <laughs> you, yeah. said, you said complete games here, okay? Yeah. And my, my two favorites in the AFC, the two teams that I think are the best in the AFC – are the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. And the one weakness both teams have is their running game. And that goes against almost everything that I stand for as a football fan and or football player, even though I was a receiver back in the day. Do they have the quarterbacks to make that a moot point? Or could that be where other teams are able to exploit those two teams and knock them off? Because, I mean, the way I look at it, neither of them has a real good running game. And you're right. Um, there's there's this running joke that we have on the set on Sundays where Bill Cowher talks about um, messaging Andy Reid. He's like, just run the ball, just run the ball. And Andy Reid's like, nah, this is what we do. We pass the rock. Um, you know, when it comes to these two squads, yeah, they both struggle running the ball. But one squad can almost mask their lack of rushing attack with short passes, and that's the Chiefs. The Chiefs are really good, man, at intermediate plays, and we're talking about everything from shovel passes to um, screen plays, drive routes, all of these things within like five to 10, maybe even 15 yards, which can make up for the fact that they're not handing the ball off. I don't necessarily see that same type of creativity in the offense for the Bills. So I I really look at these two teams the same um, when it comes to their lack of rushing attack, but I look at them differently with their ability to mask it. So um, it's going to be the Bills that are going to have to really show some creativity because if they don't have a running game and then as a defense, you're looking at that offense saying, all right, let's bottle up Josh Allen. Let's make sure our ends rush wide and don't get too far off the field. We'll always have a spy that can keep up with the speed of Josh Allen and we'll make sure we'll put them in a box. And as our DBs focus on the wide receivers, We'll make sure that Stephon Diggs doesn't have one of his best days and allow these other receivers to try to beat us. On the flip side, you try to do that with the Chiefs. They're, they're going to – they might put Travis Kelsey in the Wildcat and throw a jump pass to an offensive lineman. They'll do the Tim <laughs> spin around, and then, and then shovel pass it to a wide right. receiver going in motion. These are all run-play extensions. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I feel like – the Chiefs, they, they handle it differently to mask what they don't do well. All right, and finally, Niners and Cowboys and part of old school Timmy. The Timmy that had hair feels like Pat Summerall and John Madden should be calling that game. But instead, it's going to be Noah Eagle and your boy, Nate Burleson on Nickelodeon. Tell me about uh, what is kind of sort of taking the world by st- I know I know the debut of Nickelodeon. Everyone was like, what the hell is this? What's going to happen here? And then when you guys actually did it, people were like, oh, bleep, this works. I- I'm excited. Yeah, man, it's, it's a way for us to create a bridge between the, the youth, um, the, the fans out there that, that I don't want to call them novice, but the ones that that love and appreciate the game, but might not be traditionalists like 
the 50-year-old who's been watching football their whole lives. And and we're not trying to dumb it down. This isn't football for dummies. This is just a more creative way to give you a broadcast. We have great animation and slime and all of these different graphics, young Sheldon popping up and explaining the rules. Um, and then on top of that, it, there's a more relaxed vibe to it. So if you want to sit back, relax, and watch the game, um, and enjoy it casually. We're going to make it so entertaining um, and interactive. Um, and on top of that, I'm, I'm going to do some teaching. I, I can't help but to be a football player in the book. So this isn't all going to be about jokes and old school Nickelodeon show references. Um, there's also going to be some teaching and some learning. So, um, yeah, I want you to bring back the nostalgia, the old school Tim, even though you don't have the hair, you know what I'm saying? You can still, <laughs> still grease the scalp. And, yeah. I'll comb the beard, uh, but let me say this: No matter whether it's old Tim or uh, let me see here, young young Tim, <laughs> we we both appreciate you joining us here on Tim and Friends. I can't I can't take it, man. I can't <laughs> stop stop, man. I can't I can't. Hey, my heart is racing. I started sweating. That dude, I can imagine you back in the day, like, hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I went uh, surfer, but yeah, the curls were luxurious back in the day. Uh, as, as, as I said yesterday on the show, the curls were for the girls. Nate Dogg, the curls yeah, were for the girls. All right, be well, man. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Right. Enjoy Super Wildcard Weekend. Week. Lovely and talented Nate Burleson, as always. Uh, creeping me on Instagram, though. I'll be honest, like Nate creeping me on Instagram. Uh, after the break, we'll continue the football talk, get our NFL picks for the weekend. Coming off a combined 4 0 week, though we're not spiking the football. We'll just see if we can keep it going. Next, Tim and Friends. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. I'm Tim McAuliffe, uh, Jesse Rubinoff over to my left, and we have some breaking NFL news mm. before we get to our NFL picks. And this breaking NFL news is kind of sort of NCAA news and kind of sort of tied. To Brampton. Yeah, some CanCon. Justin Dunk uh, reporting that Canadian receiver John Mechie III leaves Alabama and will enter the 2022 NFL draft. Obviously, uh, this is big news for him, but uh, it's important to note that he did have a significant injury, tore his ACL on December the 4th, I believe, which kept him out of the national championship game. Uh, So an interesting decision because you would think coming off a a major injury that will definitely affect his stock. I wonder if, so Jamison Williams is this highly rated prospect coming, having basically um, a significant injury in the national championship game, declares yesterday. I wonder if the reaction to Williams helped make the decision a little easier for Mechie because they both have torn ACLs. They both had monster years. I mean, Mechie had, what, uh, 96 catches, 100 and, or sorry, 1,142 yards. Like, he had a monster year as well. So you would hope, or maybe just we're at the point where modern technology has come so yeah. far that a torn ACL is not going to scare off prospective drafters. But, I mean, has to cop cost him a couple spots right that's exactly what I was gonna say is like uh, do you feel this way like a player has a torn ACL or something it doesn't feel like it means the same thing that it did a decade ago and I I, I don't have the scientific proof I don't have the scientific evidence to back that up obviously we're just learning about this decision right now but it just feels like I mean it happens all the time but these guys are coming back 
and they're still performing really, really well. Like we've seen it multiple times. Like obviously Joe Burrow is a quarterback, but it happened to him, and he came back, and he's going to be the comeback player of the year. So yeah. it just seems like whatever it is, modern medicine, technology, it just feels like there are now ways where you can deal with significant injuries better than you previously would have uh, in the past. It's crazy that Alabama's top two receivers, dude, both same injury, torn ACL, like Jamison Williams in the national championship game. Like, what a way to go out, dude. The crazy thing about Jamison Williams is you could see his torn ACL in his calf. Yeah. Did you, did yes. you notice oh, yes. how far down, yes. like, it looked? It's just uh, yeah. gross. So, hopefully, uh, hopefully both of them recover. And great to see John Mechie Jr. take that next step. Because I think when a lot of us – like, I did his brother's Royce game at – his brother is Royce. I'm going to completely say that here. 10 times fast. No, I'm not going to. Yeah. His brother Royce played at Guelph. I did his games. It's great to see, like, you know, you see the lineage of all these players and, you know, all these Canadian guys going to Canadian schools. And then you see that there's a next step, right? And John Mechie is among the first to take that next step where, you know, you're going to, like, big time schools, right? Yeah. And I wonder if there'll be more to come. Hopefully there will be. Well, it would have been nice to see the Chargers in the playoffs because of Josh Palmer, too. But uh, that's not happening. Speaking of Canadian receivers. Yes. Boy. All right. Uh, listen, um, we, we, we ended our 2021 with a bang. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, I don't know if it's the regular season separating, whatever you want to say. I know it was actually 2022 when we made the picks. Uh, but we had a 4-0 week. Let's go. To the 2021 season. And we're going to try and keep it going with our super wild card weekend picks. Does that mean that we're getting up and going to the big TV? Hashtag 98. Hashtag, Hashtag 98, 98 it is. Uh, who goes for I go first. Rubinoff. And I am uh, I'm starting with a game that Nate and I talked about the most. And that was the Patriots and the Bills. And here's what. I think that this is a field goal game. Mm-hmm. And I'm betting on it. That's, I'm not saying the Patriots win. I'm not saying... The Bills don't win. I'm just saying I think this will come down to a field goal because of the weather and because of the teams, and I'll take the four-and-a-half points with the Patriots. I'm also taking uh, a dog with the Niners, and this is the one that troubles me a wee Mm -hmm. bit. I thought when the matchups were announced that the Niners were going to be like plus four-and-a-half, maybe plus five. I was going to take the line, the points, and sprinkle a little on the money line because I feel like the Niners have a shot. Plus three makes me nervous, but if I felt like the team might have had a chance to win, then maybe I'd take the points and run. Like, didn't Adam Rank last week come on the show and say that he thinks the Niners are the best team in the NFC? Yeah, well, like, I mean, they've been hot. They've been hot. They've they been have warm. really good players. It all comes down basically to Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I would think, but I love those two picks. And I went in a different direction. Okay. I, you heard Nate talk about uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and there is something to be said when you have the certainty of knowing that Ben Roethlisberger's done. If you don't win the game. And I think going up against the Chiefs, who everyone thinks, you know, they really turned a corner late in the season. The defense was good in the middle part of the season, but not so great near the end there. So I think the Steelers have the talent to keep up. Obviously, it comes down to how Big Ben plays, but they can rally around their quarterback. And then you go to the NFC West matchup, which it all comes down to Stafford here. The Cardinals, I thought they were the best team in the NFL for a long time there. And then suddenly, it just... And then the second half happened to the Cardinals again. Yes. Again. It's DeAndre Hopkins. Like, what happened? He doesn't play, and then suddenly they forgot how to play football. So I'm going with the Rams there. Minus three and a half. Should be a tight game, but I do like the Rams uh, by more than three and a half. We're going to go 4-0 again. Can we? I'm not sure because you explained your picks. 
Oh, I wasn't supposed to do that. And uh, I remember a certain friend of the show saying, <laughs> Jesse. Sorry, Heavy. Sorry, that's my bad. That's my bad. <laughs> We're exactly three weeks away from the opening ceremonies in Beijing. That's right. Three weeks away from the Olympics. Women's hockey tournament starting a couple days before that. Up next, we'll catch up with Olympic veteran Rebecca Johnston as she prepares for her fourth Olympic adventure. We'll discuss next right here on Tim and Friends. Just give the picks. <laughs> Johnston. She scores! What a shot! Rebecca Johnston finds the net. Wow! Rebecca Johnston. Quick shot scores! And Rebecca Johnston may have tipped that home. Rebecca Johnston, third in the league scoring race, and a big part of why the Inferno are as hot as they are this season. Here's a break for Rebecca Johnston from Subway, and she scores. Rebecca Johnson, Sudbury, Ontario. I love how they announced that team. That was awesome. A couple of days after the Canadian women's hockey team was announced for the Beijing Games, I am happy to be joined by Team Canada forward, three-time Olympic medalist Rebecca Johnson. Welcome to Tim and Friends. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Uh, listen, I saw the pictures on social media. My old friend Sarah Nurse, Natalie Spooner, posing with their jerseys in the dressing room. I saw almost everyone on the team doing the exact same thing. It, it seems like... There is still a great amount of pride just making this team. Is that true even when it's your third or, in your case, your fourth Olympic Games? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's always a huge honor, and it really never gets old. It's, it's the best feeling being able to put that jersey on and, and represent your country and try to win a gold medal for your country. So it really, truly never gets old, and um, I enjoy it every single time. Do you have like a favorite memory or moment that like you're looking to trump this time around? Like, is it like asking you your favorite <laughs> child? Like, is there a favorite moment from your previous three? Oh gosh, a favorite moment. I, there's so many. I, I probably would have to say my first Olympics being in Vancouver at a pretty young age, being able to win a gold medal for Canada was definitely a highlight of my career um, in a really dream come true. It's, it's, I've, I've had that dream since I was a little girl. That's awesome. I know that it may be different this time around because of this whole pandemic thing and that you're focused on your tournament, but is there another sport that you usually try to take in just to kind of distract you from what's going on or just because you're a big fan? Like, is there anything that you can get away from the women's tournament to go and watch? Yeah, at the Olympics, I have, I love watching all the sports, yeah. but I, I really like watching figure skating and um speed skating as well i find those those sports are, are crazy and it's really fun to watch um and it's good to be able to get away and and cheer for your fellow canadians very cool and i wish i had the edge work of most of those figure skaters that uh <laughs> they're watching uh, i can't believe it's been eight years since knock knock gold medal in the face in sochi never mind vancouver <laughs> like unbelievable what, what's different about getting ready for Olympics number one in Vancouver, like you said, when you were, you know, young, fresh and on the team and Olympics number four. I mean, I guess the preparation is always similar. Yeah, you're, you're trying to do everything you can to be physically and mentally prepared going into that tournament, um, making sure you're playing the best when that tournament comes, because, you know, this is one of the biggest, this is the biggest tournament in your life. And, um, but it is a little bit different now with, with COVID and the pandemic, trying to adjust to that and making sure we stay safe 
um, before we head out. And I think we're doing a great job here. Um, continue to keep our training going uh, while competing and, and trying to get better each and every day before we head out. So how does COVID change it, Rebecca? Like, what, what do you guys have to do differently? Well, it's... I, well, for us, it's it's basically we, we there's a window before we go to the Olympics where we we can't test positive for COVID, and clearly around the country and around the world, it's it's really spreading right now. So we have to be sure to to stay out of the public right now and just kind of head to the rink, train, get our training in, and then head back to the hotel and and keep our distance. So it's it's been challenging, but. Um, you know, it is necessary for us to be able to attend the Olympics, and it, you know, it's a little small sacrifice to, to pay, really. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like, when you hammer down on the actual idea of it, like, I know that going into these tournaments, normally you guys would have a lot of team-building drills, and you'd spend time together, and you'd go, like, does, does it make it difficult, and does the team rely on veterans who have been there before to make sure that team-building is still going on, even though it's obvious you're in a hotel room right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we find ways. I mean, at World Championships was a really tough time. We were, we were actually stuck in hotels. We weren't allowed to go outside for walks or anything like that even. And you find ways. You you have team bonding over Zoom. It's, it's almost became the norm at that point. Um, and we found some ways now. Uh, yesterday, we actually went dog sledding out in Canmore, which was absolutely beautiful. And so that was a great time. You know, anything we do outside, um, you know, minimizes the risk of, of spreading or getting COVID. So that's, that's kind of what we have to do right now. Understood. Uh, how has the team around you changed over the three Olympics that you've played in and now the fourth? Gosh, the team... I, I, honestly, I, I, our team is so close this year, and um, I could just feel it's, it's such we have such great chemistry. We feel like one big family, um, and I think this COVID and going through so much throughout the year has really brought us closer together. And that's truly what a winning team is: is having that chemistry, going through some ups and downs, being able to uh, fight through adversity. And and this team has it all. And I, I really think. If we continue to play how we've been playing, that we will be successful at the end of this tournament. Listen, women's hockey has been hit hard by the pandemic. I mean, canceled world championships, the the under-18s. Does this tournament feel even more important given all you guys have gone through just to get to this point? I mean, this tournament's always <laughs> important, uh, but it, it definitely, it's definitely—it's a solid you know, you, point. You want you're making a lot of yeah, you're making a lot of sacrifices, uh, but it's worth it to be able to go to the Olympics and and you know be able to call yourself an Olympian and, and have that chance to to win the gold medal for Canada. And um, so you know, I go through anything to to have that opportunity, and and our entire team um, has that same mindset. So it's. One, it's the most important tournament in our lives, and so we're preparing in every way we can throughout the difficult times. Right, and, and, and every four years, it's the most important tournament of your life. And it's, it's amazing how you guys are able to kind of gear up to perform in that you know, two-week span to make sure that. But what I mean more is, like, I'm sure you would have liked to have seen the NHLers there, too. But without them, mm -hmm. does it feel like you might be able to kind of seize the exposure that will be available, that you guys always seem to grab the momentum and maybe take that into launching a pro league that might be able to get all the best in the world and something that everyone can get behind? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really important. It's, I would have loved to see the NHL players. It's, 
it's a tournament, but you know, best on best. And uh, I know a lot of them or all of them would have loved the opportunity to be able to go to the Olympics. So I am sad to, to hear that news, but um, yeah, for us, it's, it's, we want to get as much exposure as we can. We want to get that um, attention, um, you know, just putting the word out there, you know, where we play, uh, trying to get a league so, so that we can showcase the best players in the world. And, um, there are so many people behind us that want to support us, so hopefully we can get that and, and have a league where we all can compete together. Yeah, I just feel like the, the momentum was there just before the pandemic for women's hockey and that you guys got hit really hard by um, the pandemic and what's happened since. So hopefully this is just another step along the way. But before I let you go, I, I, just, I have to ask. Like I saw the picture of you and Mary-Philippe Mary Poulain. Got it, Mary-Philippe Poulain. Oh, yeah. Throwing up the fours in the dressing room uh, as you're the only ones on the team to go for four straight. And I've marveled at her. Um, not just because he's the best in the world, uh, but I have this saying, special players make special plays on special days. And I've been saying it for like 25 years now. I don't know if anyone personifies that better than the woman that you guys call Pooh. How the hell does she do it <laughs> repeatedly? Uh, I, I honestly don't know. She's, she's an amazing player, an amazing team. And we joined the program at generally the same time. So we've been through a lot together and, uh, I've learned so much from her. She's so talented, and she's just the most clutch player I've ever seen. I mean, um, any time we need a goal over time, you know, you count on her, and, and it's the pressure. She has. She obviously deals with that pressure really well, and she thrives on it, and she definitely succeeds. Uh, I've had people say to me in this business before that there's no such thing as clutch. I would like to introduce them to Mary-Philippe Poulain. Um, yeah. There are very few things that I still have the fan in me for. Like, I feel I have to be unbiased for the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, and just report on it as a journalist. I'm happy to say Hockey Canada is not one of those things. Go over there, have some fun, and kick some ass, okay? Thank you so much. Thanks a for having me. Anytime. Open invite. Be well, okay? Thank you. There is uh, Rebecca Johnson here on Tim and Friends. We'll take one more break. By the way, do you feel the same way about Hockey Canada? Yes. Like you just cheer? Yes. There's no journalistic integrity there. Of course, it's Canada. Chew bubble gum, kick ass, run out of bubble gum. When we come back, best of the week winner, last call with Rubinoff. Tim and Friends on a Friday. Tim and Friends continues on this Friday afternoon. Jesse Rubinoff coming up with last call, but as the graphic tells you, you've been voting for the best of the week at Tim and Friends on Twitter. The results suggest that Sid Sixero and Donovan Bennett have won with the announcement. By the way, this was off air. Hello, Donovan. Can you hear me? I got you. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. Can I mention on air the thing that you announced last week or no? What did I announce last week? I mean, whatever it is, I'm sure you can, but I, don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> See, now I'm not confident <laughs> even bringing it up. I'm going to text it Listen, we're family. And what, what did I know? <laughs> are you, hold on. Are you and Kate not expecting... A child? Yes. <laughs> announced it last week. Dude, I might have this <laughs> child any minute now. That was announced like... <laughs> Three months ago. What are you talking about? Oh, well, yeah, sure. I'm not on Instagram, dude. I don't know these things. I, I didn't know. I was watching Tim and Friends <laughs> last week, and I'm like. Announced, 
announced last week. You, you think we? What do you, you think we sent out a press release? You think we're the royals? Sid, my wife is 38 <laughs> weeks pregnant. There is no announcement. Oh my god! I miss the podcast days so much. <laughs> Great comebacks by Donovan. Like 6.58 in the morning, and he's just, like, bringing up the Royals line. You could tell that he had just woken up. (laughs) Like, at the start, he's just like, what's going on here? Yeah. I mean, it is 6.58. Like, a.m. Dude works. That's early. That is is early. That's early. Uh, I do miss the podcast. Yeah. Because that was basically the show right there. (laughs) That was the podcast. Uh, All right, let's get the last call. Jesse Rubinoff, take it away, my friend. Uh, The legendary baseball broadcaster Dave Van Horn is retiring. The longtime voice of the Montreal Expos and Miami Marlins called more than 8,000 games in his career. Timmy, what will you remember most from Van Horn's career? The voice, how smooth he was, and I know everyone's screaming one thing, and I will give you that one thing. Of course. It is El Presidente's perfect game. 26 in a row have been retired by Dennis Martinez. One and two pitch. In the air. Center field. Grissom. El Presidente. El Perfecto. Here's... Here's what I love about the line. Everyone, like if you're a fan of a certain age, you know that line verbatim. Mm -hmm. And what I love about it is it's so simple, it's so perfect, and he lets it lay out for the audience to take over after it's done, doesn't try and add anything onto it. Like, you've heard guys try and take the moment. He took the moment without trying to take the moment. So you've done play-by-play. At what point of the perfect game do you think he, he comes up with that line? Or do you think it's spontaneous? Yeah, probably. I, don't, I have no idea. I, I, Everyone's I, probably different. Yeah. I, I, I think he probably thought of it, like, well before it ever happened. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, my God, am I, like, is this line actually going to work? Like, am I going to get to use this? Like, the odds of you being able to use the line. I always wonder that. Cause like, especially when it, the one that comes to mind is the Masters when – when Jim Nance always has a line for the last putt, the I final tap. I think Jim tap Nance writes it. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> uh, I have a question for you. Um, are you a fan of playing on the outdoor rinks? ODR, yeah. Yeah, okay, so we got to check this one out. Uh, it stretches uh, over four houses on the no, front lawn. No, hold, but hold on. It's one thing for it to stretch over four houses. I've seen that before. Front lawn. So this is basically on the street. Yeah. Which That's makes it even better. And there's a massive tree in yeah. the middle of it. The tree is unfortunate. <laughs> no. You gotta, no, mean, no, no, no. That, don't get rid of the tree. No, you got you to stick handle around the tree. You can make passes off the tree. And if you don't keep your head up, there's Scott Stevens. That is so good. Like, if everyone agrees, if all the neighbors are in agreement, which obviously in this case they are, <laughs> yeah, obviously. Gonna, obviously, obviously. But that is such a good use of real estate. Like, if you don't have the room out back, do it out front. Like, if everyone's cool with it, why not? Uh, and most people would have fences up. Yeah. So you couldn't do it out back. But the fact that they have... Or they knocked them down. Might have even knocked them down. I don't know. I think that's why they did it in the front, because there were no fences. Maybe I'm wrong. Not, I don't know. Not a landscaper. <laughs> no? Architect. No. Um, okay, so... 
We will soon have uh, new Netflix shows to watch, and I'm excited about this because the producers of Formula One Drive to Survival release a docu-series after filming the PGA Tour throughout this season, uh, while in tennis, the ATP and WTA uh, also signed on to do a similar series following this season. Um, Are you more excited for tennis beef or golf beef, and do you think they are filming the Novak Djokovic fiasco right now? Without a doubt, and and the fact that this Novak Djokovic saga is going on is going to draw a lot of people to whenever they release this thing. The only problem that I have with all of this is, like, are gonna are people realizing what F1 did with their series going to play up to the cameras? Like, I'm just picturing Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka playing up this beef even more mm-hmm. for those cameras and me becoming annoyed with it really quick. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if with F1, there, that was something that really uh, brought attention to it. It was very authentic. Very like authentic. It wasn't fake and phony. It, it didn't seem like it. And, and I know a lot of people were new, so like maybe it was and you just didn't recognize it. Right. Which is possible, but it didn't seem that way to me. So they got to try to find line here. Like, you got to be careful to not make it inauthentic because that's what drew everybody into the F1 series. Doesn't, I mean, listen, there was... You know, 24-7, the NFL hard knocks has done it for years. Um, Do you think that the new games made it feel new? Because once something or someone does it right, Mm -hmm. usually the thing that comes after sucks. Yeah. And I'm worried that this is the case here where it's just like, oh, we've got to do that. Mm -hmm. Whenever someone says we've got to do that in our business, you should probably run away. Yes. I mean, they're, they're not leading. They are following. That right. is exactly it's what they're doing. It's a copycat. Yeah. In some ways, it's a copycat business, and that's exactly what we some have here. In all ways, it's a copy. Yeah. Once we built this studio, I've seen 18 different studios yeah. just like it. But that's like pretty much everything in life. Like sports, they say it all the time. It's copycat league. Like that's just no, life. You impose your will, friends. <laughs> if Uncle Timmy has any advice for you. You don't follow, you lead, you trailblaze. Mm. You impose your will and let the rest follow along and rip you off. Some uh, hard-hitting life tips on a Friday. Uh, Check this out from a men's league game. 5.8 seconds left, one-point game. The inbounder gets the ball back. Uh, Inbounder right there, gets the ball back, stripped. But the defender just gives him the ball right back then proceeds to miss the buzzer beater. Uh, What? (laughs) Yeah. What? Wait a second, I gotta see that again. Why did he give him the ball back? Um, Maybe he thought he was Russell Westbrook. Have you seen anything more disrespectful than that? Do you think that's what? Do you think they're they're boys? Secretly? Can I see that one more time? So you you think it was disrespectful? Like he was actually saying, here, take it back and shoot it? Or did he think the game was over? I mean, that's the only other explanation. Because he defends immediately after. And if you're the guy who gets the second shot, like, you got to hit that. Or this is like a gym scrimmage and they're all friends and it's, like, funny. And he was trying to No, look at the reactions to everybody else. Yeah, no. That's brutal. (laughs) That's brutal. That is the ultimate shot. You give that shot to the future Hall of Famer Scotty Barnes. He makes that. He is playing against the Pistons. That was my way to work him in. He is playing tonight. Okay, so breaking news. That is breaking news. Scotty Barnes is playing. Gary Trent is out. Raptors Pistons tonight. Yes. That's my way to make sure that everyone got your breaking news. Yeah, it's Friday. 
We're done. Thank you very much for watching. Stars and Panthers coming up next right here on Sportsnet. Enjoy the weekend, but as we leave you, let's take a look back at the week that was on Tim and Friends. Because you know what? It's Friday, then it's Saturday, Sunday. Huh? It's Friday, then it's Saturday, Sunday. It's Friday, then it's Saturday, Sunday. What? It's Friday, then it's Saturday, Sunday. It's Friday, Hey, how you doing? <laughs> this is Seven Friends. To hit it 57, you have to drive it low. Lining up like I'm going to kick. <laughs> I feel like you wanted to play in the game last night. Ah! <laughs> that would hurt my hamstring and my groin. Ah, my groin! That's good form. Oh, careful, careful, careful. The biggest mistake, I was going to say Steve Harvey back in Miss Universe in 2015. <laughs> However, I think my youngest has just gone to the washroom, so that might be the biggest mistake. <laughs> <laughs> no. Ivanka, if you need to take care of a few things, we understand. We'll start somewhere else. Uh, that is Ivanka Osmak. Can a rookie quarterback get it done and limit his mistakes against the number one defense in the NFL? We're going to find out. Uh, we'll be watching. I'm guessing that's some sort of Maltese and or Poodle mix. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I mentioned Belichick and he just goes, please. He starts barking. Stupid thing. The wife came home with Just for Men today. No, she didn't. She did. Should well, McAuliffe just for men okay. this ish? Paul, I have told you that I, I'm a fan of the... Patchy gray? The gray. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a grizzled when it, look. When I, first, uh, when I first grew the beard, I thought, you know, there's, there's a little uh, Triple H when he shaved his head in here. And then I watched myself on TV, and I realized I was just the big guy from This Is Us. <laughs> Hey! If Tim Jacket was a shade lighter and the beard lost its gray, <laughs> he'd look like Toby. Oh dear God, I'm Toby. I'm the big dude from This Is Us. Well, that is the greatest thing I have ever heard. We tried to recreate it during the commercial break and I think we got pretty damn close. I wanted to be Triple H in his prime. I'm more like Toby from This Is Us. I find it easier to get into like dramatic shows than to start comedies. Jesse, 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 Jesse. Do you feel the same way? No, I'm the complete opposite because I never have like an hour to watch the drama shows. Yeah, you're a parent. So I'm a 30 it. minute guy. Right. Better be careful with that. Excuse me? Ladies and gentlemen, The weekend. What?